Hey folks, Jeff here, once again with my dear brother, Dr. Keith Witt. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, beloved brother Jeff. (laughs) Well, you and I just spent several days together at the event in Boulder called the Integral Living Room, which was an event that we build as integral second-tier conversations. And it was a chance what we had, like, I think we had 90 people there. We had about 10 or 15 staff there in our little church in uh, downtown Boulder. Mm-hmm. And it was a really lovely event. And the yeah. first time we've done something like this where we talked about what is second-tier we space. We talked about how do we evoke it. In a sense, it was designed to be uh, an event where we had a seminar, but we just didn't do a whole lot of content. It was just basically just the hallway conversations. And it was interesting. I think we learned a lot. Uh, So what I do, since you were there the whole time and and fully participating, uh, just ask you what you thought, what you learned, and and what we're learning as a community about Mm -hmm. evoking this second-tier we space. What do you think? Okay. Well, first of all, the living room itself was a second-tier construct. It was just very apparent to me. And to people who don't, you know, I've designed workshops and done them before. It was tremendously sophisticated flex flow workshop because you and Diane and Terry were kind of adjusting to 90 high-frequency people all throughout the weekend. And, you know, it it started with people kind of getting to know each other and so on. And there was a variety of experiences that led us deep into ourselves and each other. Uh, And as we did that, a lot of things that we've all read about and talked about and so on um, were embodied, Uh, particularly the second tier thing. You know, Terry wrote this article uh, where he distinguished between um, rhetoric Transratorical praxis and integral transratorical practice, and then uh, radical truth telling, um, precious. And so I was, I'm looking back over the uh, the workshop, and it's very clear to me: rhetoric is when you're trying to persuade or inform. Um, no. Transratorical praxis is when two people are going back and forth looking for a deeper truth. Mm-hmm. Integral transrhetorical praxis is when you're going back and forth looking for a deeper truth within the, within the context of three or four levels of embodied community. Um, and I, it was interesting to me, this, the second tier really exists primarily in transrhetorical and uh, integral transrhetorical. And so it's clear as day, looking back, when we shifted. You know, you know, people were saying, sometimes were saying wise things, but it was rhetoric. They were, they were advocating or they were informing. The group became uncomfortable with that. When people yeah. kind of put themselves out looking for uh, a dialogue, looking for kind of a, that edge of truth, people got more comfortable. One of the orienting principles for the whole living room was a principle that you taught me uh, in a, several calls ago, maybe six, eight months ago when we were talking, and you were talking about two of the guiding principles that you use as a therapist, having been a therapist for you know, decades and seen tens of thousands of people, that number one, you want to keep the conversation going, which I love, mm-hmm. because there's so many ways that we start bullshitting each other or withdrawing or whatever. And number two, and this is the one, this is the one that got me right between the eyes, and we used it as a 
principle at the living room was that we want to be willing to be influenced instead of yeah. just influence. And God, that, that's, it seems so simple, but God, it changes everything. Yeah. It you know, really is does. that what you're talking about with this oh, transitorical? Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing I really loved about it. We were embodying the Terry's concepts, transitorical, well, it's not Terry, but you know, he organized them, transitorical practice and integral, but nobody used those terms. You know, like uh, uh, Becky and I have a joke about integral. You know, we're having penis head talk. You know, and, and I like it, and she doesn't. <laughs> so, you know, and so you know, people who like integral penis head talk can get together and you know go back and forth forever about integral transitorical versus transitorical versus rhetorical, you know, versus priestess, radical priestess, you know, historical radical priestess, cultural. You know, we can go on and on like. Well, you know, most people like they go, what the fuck, you know? And I, the, but what we were doing is embodying those forms of dialogue, which is second-tier dialogue, and searching for deeper truth with each other, and not just pretending to want to be influenced in that group. You know, this is a group of very talented people. You know, this, right. this is not just a random group of 90 people. These are 90 really deep people from all around the world, you know, representing hundreds of thousands of hours of practice, you know, you know, incredible depths of skills from a variety of, of directions. And so, you know, you know, when I was younger and more arrogant, I would listen politely, but not expect to be in, influenced or enlightened much, you know, and that's mm-hmm. arrogance and, and ego, I guess. And also some reality, you know, if, uh, in that group, um, every single one of my interactions, I was alert because somebody was, might say something and did often that I found personally revelatory or transformative. Um, mm-hmm. um, this kid, this guy, and kid, this young man, <laughs> Zachary, saying we're weapons of mass illumination. Um, uh, you know, you coming up with each man, you're quoting Waller Emerson, each man is his own church. Um, yeah. uh, Diane. Each church has a congregation of one. Each church has a congregation of one. Diane, and when we were doing the, there was a group exercise, there was an inner circle, outer circle. When um, someone asks Diane, you know, can I speak? She says, you give me the power to, to give you permission, and I'll give you permission to speak. You know, that was a second-tier response. And, and throughout, one of the things I wanted to talk about was her facilitation. Um, yeah. You know, it takes a facilitator to really appreciate a facilitator. Becky said uh, earlier this week, and, you know, Becky's been around the block a bazillion times when it comes to all this stuff. She said, that's the best facilitation I've ever seen from her. She's the best facilitator yeah. I've ever seen. Diane Hamilton, my co-host Diane. at, the, at the living room, and also Terry Patton is who we're talking about here. Well, and Terry Patton's the guy who laid out this framework in really a challenge to all of us to shift from the, the, the typical, I'm going to explain something to you, or I'm going to persuade you, or I'm going to inform you, to which is the rhetorical, to the, to the um, trans-rhetorical place where you and I are going to engage and we're going to look for truth that neither one of us know quite yet. Yeah. And then challenging us further to the integral transrhetorical, which is not only are we going to do that with each other, we're going to be aware of the larger context, not just of this group or of this, this community, but of the entire world. And, yeah. you know, he's, he's passionate advocate for that. And, and he's really onto something when he understands that there's a certain level of consciousness out of which the solutions must flow. And, you know, and what we're all looking for is how do, we, how do we accelerate the development of that level of consciousness, which is one, one definition of it is second tier. Yeah. 
Ed. Well, yeah, talking about Diane and her facilitation, one of the things that was most impressive to me was that first morning where we mm-hmm. basically turned it into a big circle, you know, 100 yeah. people, and she's in the middle. And the question is, so what's a second-tier we space, so forth? And in some ways, the question was not even that important because what we saw happen was uh, basically our greenness in a way, right? Oh, yeah. There was an uh, unwillingness to let her lead. There was some sense that we were unduly privileged, that uh-huh. there was just something wrong and, and it was really interesting, and it's actually one of the things that when Diane and Terry and I did our debrief, it's one of the things we want to keep about the living room, is to oh, just turn that first morning into to a chaotic green mess so that we well, can all see what that is. Well, also, Diane said, this is what's funny to me, she said that's what she was going to do. You know, she right. said, I'm going to, basically, she said, I'm going to do what you just said. She used her words. Then proceeded to do it, and everybody went into trance and got lost in it. It was a green right. haze. You know, now, but I, I, to, to my credit, <laughs> about 10 minutes into it, I roused myself. I said, Keith, you're in a fucking green haze here. Diane said, observe states and stages. You know, click, click. All of a sudden, I saw, you know, the green mess happening. And then, I, you know, I, there's enough of me that's kind of the, you know, the Loki, you know, the trickster. I couldn't wait to dive into the green mess. You know, I wanted yep. to be on the inside, being a group, you know, but I'm not the leader. <laughs> you, know, I get, right. you know, she wants us to generate stage. Sure, I'm there. I'm, I'm all over the place doing that and, and was basically a leader leading us into a green mess. You know, when she asked later on, she said, well, where did leadership go when somebody talked about something? And I said, I went to me. I really, I wasn't kidding. I really yeah. meant that. You know, I was on board, you know, taking us deeper into the green mess. And what was true about that was that everybody was on the edge of their seat. Uh-huh. Everybody was engaged in trying to figure out a way through this chaos. Right. And, um, and, and so it was really, really juicy and really, really full it. of passion. I, I, I loved it. It was, it was just one of the highlights to me. And you're right. Yeah. We, 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 because we had Ken coming in the afternoon, uh, we didn't really get to debrief it uh, as, we, as we might in the future. But uh, we learned a lot. Well, I, sure, I, I, I did. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, I haven't worked with big groups as much as Diane has. I work mostly with individuals and couples, and, and uh, a lot of my group work was um, – but, uh, uh, well, I do teach classes, but this particular kind of group work I haven't done 10 or 15 years. And so it was interesting to me. Diane was checking in with the group every three minutes reflexively the way a mother checks in on a three-year-old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and if I was doing a group like that, I would have to kind of tell myself to do it. You know, she didn't have to tell herself to do it. You know, it was, it was just kind of been hardwired into her nervous system. Um, and similarly, no, really you know, when a, you... a gifted facilitator. Yeah, and you know, one thing that Terry kept doing um, while we were talking is, is he kept looking for that place, that integral, post-rhetorical, that second-tier place where the consciousness has a direction. You know, there's a, there's a purpose of us being together. Yeah. For me, I, I basically came, I wanted to be a, an opening f- 
from the other world into the group, and I wanted to serve everybody. You know, that, those were my my goals, and I knew that I was open to, to transformation happening, but didn't quite know what would, would happen. And felt profoundly influenced. This was a, I had a very different group experience in this group than I've had in other groups. Um, I was quite struck by it. Um, mm. And it, it, so, how would you uh, describe that experience, Keith? What what was different about it? Well, first of all, for me, even though I'm I'm, I'm a kind of a um, I'm an intense personality, and, you know, I have opinions and so on. For me, there was much more of a sense of of kind of being of Keith kind of just surrendering to a process. I felt like there was a lot less ego. It was a lot less about me. I mean, one guy had a dark night of the soul uh, on Saturday before the last meeting, and, and, and it was, I'm glad that we got to talk about that. I, I've always had that in a group at some point, where, you know, mm-hmm. pain makes, makes you egocentric. It makes you very much about yourself. I didn't have that in this group. Um, and afterwards, uh, you know, there's a famous surfer called Jerry Lopez who's become the, a surf saint. Um, you know, he's kind of transcended through surfing into being um, a transmitter. And he talks and takes people to places. And he said, I know how I'm doing by how my surfing is. And so I'm a therapist. And so on Monday and Tuesday, my therapy was different. Um, I was much more consciously taking people into second-tier places and just hanging out there with them. Um, well, and then playing that into whatever the worldview they're in, whatever defensive construction they had. Um, it was much more visible to me uh, than it had been. And, and another thing, I do a spiritual practice when I swim. I do a, a meditation for 50 minutes. One day, I think it was Tuesday, I dropped down a level that I hadn't been before and stayed there. And now, you know, it's been there ever since Tuesday. It's been that level of being consciousness, feeling coming out into the world as consciousness. And out there is Keith, well, and out there is Jeff, and so on. But that, that identity was was never as clear and as stable as it's been. Um, and it's a direct response, r- r- result of the community that I had with all right. these extraordinary people and my participation. You know, I, was, I had a leadership function um, in a variety of situations, and when it was my turn to be lead, I did my best to lead well. Regarding your therapy sessions that you led uh, mm-hmm. after the living room, and you saying that you took people more to a second-tier space, hung out with them. With that being the orienting question of the weekend, what is a second-tier space? I'm just mm-hmm. interested, how would you describe that, your, your interactions with your clients, that, or what was different about it? Well, it wasn't different because, you know, I've been doing that, this for a long time. Well, what was different is that I had more of a, of a sense of clarity as you know, I, I've, I've, I've done a lot of stuff, written a lot of books and generated a lot of systems and stuff, but I've just never been particularly interested in getting one process and saying, okay, this is the Keith process. Let's, you know, I'm going to take you through it. And here's, you know, here are the five principles. You know, you know I've done that a few times, but I, I don't have as much enthusiasm for that. The reason for that is that all that stuff is kind of secondary to me because what's important is people translating and transforming, which is mm-hmm. just idiosyncratic beyond belief. And yeah. the direction that you go is towards second tier. And it, it, as a teacher um, or as a therapist, when you can co-create a second tier place with somebody, all of a sudden you, there's, a, there's a quality there where you can feel them. You know, go, you know clients will go in and out of, of second tier consciousness. They'll go into their defenses 
um, you know, you, you work with them, you confront them, you, you discuss them, you kid them, you whatever, tickle them, you know, whatever you do. Um, and then they're back there. And, and so you, you induce a lot of states, get them to observe those states, and then there's an awful lot of things you do with symptoms and so on. And so in the therapy, there was a part of me that was just a little clearer about not taking on their pain and a lot clearer about, you know, part of my purpose on earth is to, is to expand the second tier space. And yeah. in my work, my, my therapy work, this is what I do. And because I kind of got to do it with a larger context over the weekend, um, the therapy work was a little bit more relaxing. I mean, one of the things that's driven me to teach is that it wasn't enough to do it with individuals and couples and families. There needed to be, there needed to be larger context, and there needed to be situations where, where it could be all about, you know, the, the process, and where I wasn't, you know, in charge of leading it or helping somebody with a symptom or a phobia or, you know, a relationship or a... You know, it was, it was more about what we were doing over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so doing that over the weekend makes me a little bit more relaxed doing it in my therapy session. So that, that's kind of what my experience was. Right. When I think about... Uh, what I learned from doing the living room and uh, when I think about what we can do in the future as we do it again and, and hopefully again and again is to create a little more of a trajectory for people uh, where they learn something. I, I thought what we did this time was a little unfocused and a little messy and it was great. And, you know, I, I couldn't have figured out what I knew after before, so I'm, I'm not complaining, mm-hmm. but but one of the things I actually think we can do, Keith, and you and I do it with each other, I do it with Diane, you just did it about Diane, is that you recognize the certain genius in Diane, that she mm-hmm. has some X factor of ability to work with a group that is just a, a beautiful to watch, right? Yeah. And very yeah. inspiring and very, it, it is, it's just, it's like watching a, a master at work. And that one of the things I think we can just, assume about probably everybody but certainly everybody in the you know the, the integral space that we 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 work with and who, who come to these events is that there's some level or there's some line of development where they are spiking into genius we're all spiking yeah. into genius somewhere and to identify that in each other and really appreciate that in each other i would love to do more of that well first of all I felt like that was partly my job this weekend. And I, you ask a bunch of people, there's an awful lot of people where, you know, I said, you know, this is thing about you that just lights me up. And it's this, and it's this, and it's this. And if I noticed it, I felt like I had a responsibility to tell people about it, particularly mm-hmm. the younger people who hadn't had as much experience um, with, you know, Jordan and Zachary and Ellie and those kinds of people. And also, we had this conversation because I was pointing out to you that you have a natural capacity to create this circuit of love with a group. And it has the quality of the eternal youth, the youth of eternal summers. And you can take the love of a group and put it back in a circuit. And you have the capacity to keep that going as far as everybody can go. And as I told you, you know, that's not something you learn. That's something that you are. And that's what you bring to the group. And he, you say, Keith, I think I want to be a member next time. I said, Jeff, you cannot be a member. You, have, you serve this particular function, and this is a, a central function. This is your gift. And you say, well, everybody should have an experience of being told their gift or being confronted with their gift. Yeah. I can't tell you how 
inspiring that is to me to hear that. Mm. And I, I think I know what you're talking about. I know enough of, the, of what you're talking about, that youth of eternal summers. That actually hits a sweet spot in me. That, that yeah. feels right to me. And, you know, to have you point that out to me really just helps me to inhabit that. Yeah. And I think we need to do that more and, and find ways to do that that are, you know, sort of reliable and, and become every day in a way. Completely so, agree. Yeah, so we can then express our genius. We can see it in other people. I think another thing we can do is, is, is so see the shadow side of that, uh, see the God side of that. I mean, there's some things yep. that we can do so that at the end of a three- or four-day session, we can walk out of there knowing ourselves a lot better and then doing what you did with your clients, just yeah. you know, seeing everybody. More, yep. with a little more spaciousness and a little more flexibility and a little more appreciation. And God, that's worth, you know, four days and $499, isn't it? <laughs> yes. You know, uh, to, to some, in the, there are a lot of breakout groups, which was, which was a really good idea. And yeah. to the extent that people suffered, there were several sources of suffering. One was people would get in, be engaged in rhetoric you know, they'd be advocating, and sometimes it'd be really great positions, but, you know, after about 30 or 40 seconds, you know, a, a point becomes a lecture, and then people are, are not getting the content, they're irritating. And, and I think probably a good thing to do in a group like that is saying, you know, if you want to share something, first of all, share something that was going to help the group, share something that is personal, and keep it to around 90 seconds, and if you find yourself lecturing, shut the fuck up. You know, and I think that's, a, that's one thing, and, and then another thing, there were a couple of women, Anita and Barbara, who said, you know, there's this, this form of oil in rock it's where you really have to work with the oil to get it out. It doesn't come gushing out. And there's a lot of people in this group that are not extroverted or not particularly verbal, but they have these deep gifts. And they suffered if they don't feel those deep gifts are somehow known and honored. Yeah. And, I think, and I think on a teal level, you need that. I think mm -hmm. on the... The, you know, when Ken was talking about um, translation, uh, you know, he says 95% of what we do is translation. And, you know, a lot of this thing was about having us translate the second-tier energies into the world to try to get more and more people at those levels because that's where great stuff happens. That's where evolution happens. That's where solution happens. Yes, it's, I think at Teal, we need that gift seen by a community of, of the adequate and honored. And if we don't have it, we're going to be pushing for it egoically, and that's going to interfere with the rest of the stuff. And so I think it, personally and dynamically, I think it's important for that to happen, and not from a pluralistic segment. We're going to go around the circle, and everybody's going to tell so-and-so what their gift is. You know, not like that. Mm -hmm. you know, it has to be something more deep and more organic than that, mm -hmm. which then liberates us to go to turquoise. You know, in turquoise, where it's much less about us, and more about our shared mission, but it's included and transcended. We all still subjectively and objectively experience ourselves as special and, 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 and gifted and known as by our community as special and gifted. And being mm -hmm. known in that way, in a way, releases us to let go of us into the larger um, whole. It's inspiring just to hear you say that. I, I, I actually feel 
that with this community in a way that I haven't before. And it's just delicious and inspiring. And it feels like I'm more Jeff than ever in a way. I mean, there's a, a Jeffness yeah. that gets seen that actually then allows me to live it, you know, or be it it, or something. It, it challenges you, Jeff. You know, it you, brings it into being. And also, you now, this Jeffness, this, the purity of, spirit, of Jeff's spirit is more of an object of awareness, which means when you're not there, you're more likely to say, come on, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's yeah. be Jeff. Okay? Let's, yes. We, we need this Jeff. Is what, we need Keith. We need, you know, Diane-ness. Yeah. We need these things in order to have a vivid life, you know. Yeah. And what we don't need is Keith ego Keith or narcissist Keith or, you know, red Keith necessarily, you know, unhealthy red Keith. You know, right. we need, you know, when Ken said he doesn't think that the next Buddha is going to come from a group, he thinks the next Buddha is going to come from individuals integrating Sangha, Dharma, you know, three jewels, Sangha, uh, Dharma, and Buddha. I completely mm-hmm. agree with that because you don't get Buddha nature um, from a corporation. You get it from a right. person. Corporations are not people. They, they don't have, you know, you know, a group acts like, a, like, like an individual and can have temporarily somebody in charge, but it doesn't have a dominant monad like a person. And that's the dominant monad that's transcended in an enlightened experience that opens up the channel from the other world into the rest of us. And so I agree with Ken that way. Um, yeah. And I, Becky and I were commenting this morning to each other that, at least with us, that can't happen without Sangha. You know, there's a part of me that was gliding, like Maslow said, that has been gliding under the radar a lot of my life. You know, until I entered the integral community, the integral community has really challenged me in a really good way. Uh, you know, Rob did in, our, in one of the groups that we, we had. And, and I, I was talking to Brooke, his wife, afterwards. And she said, I was really struck, you know, and Rob, Rob challenged you. He challenged me to receive more from the integral community. He said, you know, you don't have to just be given all the time, Keith. Receive something. It's narcissism hmm. they want to give all the time and not receive. And so I went, mm-hmm. wow, that's great. So Brooke said later, she said, um, it blew my mind how blissed out you got when he called you out. Hmm. She said, it didn't bug you. It blissed you out. And I went, yeah, I was in a second-tier place when he did that. And in a second-tier place, someone points out something to you that you haven't seen clearly. It doesn't matter whether, what it is. You get lit up. You go, wow, that's Totally great. Oh, I feel totally. the expansion. Thank you. Totally. I mean, there's no, there, not only is, is there no defenses, it's like, give me more. Give me you more. Know, it's a little bit like getting whacked by a Zen master. It's like, oh, that felt good. You, yeah. know, I, you know, that just, that just you know, opened up a hole in my you know, armor. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. in a second tier space, Five minutes later, you might do the very same thing, which is what doesn't happen with a Zen master. You know, right. you might just turn around and whack the next, whack, the, whack him, because now he's regressed <laughs> to something. I know, isn't that great? Yeah. There was a thing I read once about high functioning. They said you can change velocity, you can change directions at high velocity. And what I noticed in the processing, you know, I'm, I'm, I have to dial my processing back in groups like that because, you know, I'm Mr. You put somebody with an issue or a couple with an issue, a situ- with an issue in front of me, and I have to kind of just bite my tongue to not start facilitating it. You know, I, I do therapy in my dreams. I mean, I've, I've done therapy <laughs> with every president in my dreams except for Bush, who my unconscious 
put into a glass box said Keith he's unavailable <laughs> anyway and maybe that you know maybe that's hostility but what I noticed is when I did that I could do like 90 second pieces of work really fast and that when you me and Terry and Diane were, and Pete were doing this thing you notice how leadership passed you know I felt very authoritative at a point but then I but then uh, Terry said you know there's too much intensity here I felt the intensity and immediately doubted my thinking Diane immediately took over the um, processing, I mean, without missing a beat, and then invited Pete, who had just wandered by, in to bring another perspective to open up the space, which opened up mm-hmm. all of us where we found a place of mutual agreement, a sense we're going to move forward, and affectionate connection, which actually defines a resolution, particularly when you're working with couples. And we were done. That took us about four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. The guy was sitting there going, wow. You know, this, yeah. is, this is the kind of relating that I like. You know, in a therapy session, something like that might be with, with, you know, with normal people, with people, first-year people, that might take a couple of, couple of sessions. And we yeah. might not even get no, as far. No, it's very efficient. Yeah. Very efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Keith, let me ask you. So we were doing a session on the world crisis. And, you yeah. know, is there a world crisis? What is a world crisis? Blah, blah, blah. What was it that activated you about that? Well, what was what was your, you know, what what got you going? Because you were, um, you know, you were all worked up. Yeah, yeah. Well, partly is is I felt you and and it might have been an artifice, but I felt like Terry had shifted from transferatorical and integral transferatorical into rhetoric. And mm-hmm. yeah. sorry, Terry, come back to transferatorical rhetoric. And so I didn't get a chance to say that to him during the conversation. And so that was really frustrating. And I wanted, and also the other thing about it is it's so obvious to me, I might be wrong, but it's still obvious to me, that the solutions to all the world problems exist. We don't need solutions. You know, all the solutions. We know what to do about, about overpopulation. We know what to do about environmental degradation. We know what to do about greenhouse grasses. We know what to do about discrepancy between rich and poor. We know what to do um, about healthy education, secure attachment, and um, superior developmental environments for children. We know what to do about helping people through the life cycles. We don't need that information. That information exists. What we need is a level of consciousness in, that expands into the power structures of, of the world so that those, those solutions that already exist and are being refined as we speak are embodied and implemented. And so it's yeah. clear to me, my job isn't to find out how to reduce global warming. My job, you know, I, I'm here to expand second-tier consciousness so that people will take the solutions that exist and enact them. And I see it happening, um, but I, I also see it happening while lots of people suffer, while lots of bullshit goes on, while, uh, you know, uh, degradation happens. And, you know, t- to me, getting lost in the urgency of the problem misses the entire point, because mm-hmm. I'm not a second-tier person when I'm lost in the, in the urgency of the problem. I become mm-hmm. a blue um, advocate. And blue, what I'm going to yeah. do then is just do battle with all the other blue people. Okay, so I'm not, I don't, I'm not interested in doing battle with anybody. I'm, I'm interested in expanding consciousness and, and, and so on. And so all that stuff was kind of, kind of rising in me. And while that was happening, Becky was in a group. There was about 10 people, which is an entirely different thing. I was seeing her being frustrated. I thought she was frustrated with your guys' dialogue. She wasn't frustrated with that at all. 
She was in a group where a couple of the people, Michael and Suzanne, I think, got caught in, um, they, were, they were having a transferatorical praxis with each other. But it wasn't an integral transferatorical praxis because the other eight people were kind of on the outside observing it. And they were having mm-hmm. such a good time or so lost in it, they didn't realize that. And so yeah. Becky, Becky just burst into tears. Because mm-hmm. there was a part of her that wanted, that was feeling the urgency. You know, she's a, she's a, a very feminine person. She feels the group. And she wanted to shift it. She, didn't, she doesn't use this language. But she wanted to shift it into an integral transferatorical practice from uh, a, uh, a transferatorical practice. Didn't know how to do it. Tried a couple of times. And so it left her really frustrated. And so mm-hmm. that part of her, and she was talking to this guy, Ben, who works with... Um, um, Don Beck, who said there, there was a lot of advocating and not much listening, and he was frustrated by that. So they created a little group and were doing a listening. Um, you know, they were basically creating a group where there was an integral, little integral transferatorical practice with them. But then that was kind of from insulated a little bit from the other group. But I, a little bit of their urgency added to my urgency, and I wanted to come kind of um, reorganize it with you guys and did. Um, so that's yeah. kind of what happened with me around that. Well, what's interesting to me is that it's very visible. You know, it's very visible when someone's advocating um, or whatever and not looking for something new. And it's very visible when someone's in a trans-rhetorical praxis and when they're not, or when they're in an integral trans-rhetorical praxis. And so... That la- we don't have to use that language. I mean, that's completely, you know, I mean, that would drive everybody fucking crazy. But, but there's a, somebody said I was preaching, you know. I wanted, well, mm-hmm. so when yeah. I see it connected well, to, the group, the, to the group. The formulations that we came up with, uh, Diane and Terry and I were doing some debriefing, of course, afterwards. And, yeah. you know, the, the, again, this, this what is the second tier we space is just as an inquiry. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, w- one of the formulations we came up with was the difference between urgency with anxiety versus urgency without anxiety. That's good. Uh, as being one of the bright lines between a yeah. first and second tier space. And I like that. I like that Me because too. I can feel when I get sort of contracted and, and, and anxious about yes. wanting to move the ball or, you know, get some outcome versus where I'm in the game passionately and I'm engaged and I'm open and I'm willing to go where it goes. And, and there's a big difference there. And I, I'm just sort of getting it. I think we're all just sort of getting this. You're in the front of the room, right? So I got to be, I was watching you for three and a half days, Jeff. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it, for me, it's a pretty, in some ways, it's a guilty pleasure to be a member of a group. Because, you know, I, I, you know I, I, okay, I just want to watch. You're always well, in front, I, too. I know. Yeah, so I, I'm not in front having to monitor the group. I'm kind of getting to be a participant. In and so I could tell when you would relax into the flow and when you were beginning to get a little bit anxious with it. Yeah. And as far as I could tell, your anxiety and your relaxing was congruent, coherent, with what was happening, at least with me, and I, and what was felt what was happening in the in the larger group, um, yeah. And that was an actual object of observation with Diane. She'd say, you know, how's everybody going? There would be a lot of different, you know, calls. She says, okay, well, we're not coherent. Let's try to get coherent. Then she would suggest something. 
usually some kind right. of shared focus that took us away from either into ourselves with the intent to develop or away from ourselves into some kind of um, shared authenticity. And both of those things would tend to bring everybody into coherence. Yeah. Um, and then what yeah. else? Now, what else is your sense of the second tier? You know, you've been thinking about this. You guys were talking about it. What is it for you? Yeah. Like what, what emerged for you that was visible through this that wasn't quite as visible before? Well, the uh, one of the things I think of, it, it's something that uh, George, I think his last name's Poor, uh, was talking about, uh, and that is the we itself. Mm-hmm. And so we have the, the you know, we have two eyes or three eyes or a group of, of the first person people. And then we have a we space. And then there's a we that has its own. And this is where I get a little confused because, of course, a we or a group doesn't have a dominant monad while an individual does. But is there something, is there some intelligence, is there some organization around the we itself that sort of has its own destiny or its own something? And I, I don't know, I get a little confused around this myself, but mm-hmm. I sort of know what he, he, you know, he was emphasizing that over and over again. And I know he's written a lot about it and so forth, but I'm not sure I can grasp it, but I sort of get a sense of what it is he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Did any of that make sense to you? Oh, yeah. It, it, you know, I have my own opinions about this, of course. There's a drive towards coherence that's part of the evolutionary impulse that's, that's part of of eros that gets translated into the individual and the instinct to self-transcend, which is a temperamental trait that all human beings have, mm-hmm. along with others, to some extent. And so, there is an, I feel these intersubjective fields. If you're in an integral one, there is a monad. You know, a leader will emerge. Um, sometimes it's the same person, but, but, you know, in an integral group, it's never going to be the same person all the time. Mm-hmm. And then if the group is in harmony with each other, they self-organize around that. You know, they go, okay, you know, that person happens. And that's very much like an individual consciousness. You know, in an individual consciousness, we have multitudes in us, but there is a self that is organizing them into either more or, or less coherent um, states. More coherent t- states support translation and, and transformation, you know, horizontal and vertical health, less coherent states interfere with it. You know, they're associated, that's why I want to talk about the neurobiology of shadow next time. You know, there's a lot of things that, are, that come with the package of being a human being and, and, and our genetic package that, that both interfere and give us capacities to transcend that stuff. And I think that neurobiology is important. And so I think that that, that happens in a group like that, but I think it's very, very, very fluid. It's very much like when A.H. almost talks about soul. You know, you, your soul communicates through shape, through imprinting. Uh, there, was a ancient, there was a French uh, psychoanalyst named Bion who uh, um, described this from an individual perspective. I think he was anticipating integral. So, and Patricia Albert, of course, has done this endlessly with the evolutionary collective. So in that particular space, if you're there, what needs to emerge, emerges. And it's surprising. And, and it's mm-hmm. powerful. That happened to me once in an evolutionary collective group. There was one group where I was just, I felt like I was a mother, you know, having contractions every 90 seconds. It was the most uncomfortable <laughs> group I think I've ever been in in my whole fucking life. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, got in a taxi, went to the airport, and 
there was this big download of Keith, you know, you need to just, you need to start doing some stuff. And I went, okay. And that was two years ago. And all my work of the last two years came from that moment that download that happened, I can still see it now. It's in Newark Airport looking out over this thing. There's this jet, and all of a sudden this download came. Bam. It said, Keith, I want you to go give these 24 lectures. Um, I want you to write about this, this stuff. I want you to connect with these people. I want you to go to this particular edge, and when people ask you to give stuff, I want you to say yes. That's what you need to do, and I want you just to shut up about everything else. I went, all right. Mm-hmm. And so I went home and yep. did that, and, and I'm doing that now. Um, those kinds of spaces will produce that. Now, sometimes they'll spit people out. You know, they just have to go out in the world and do something like that. Sometimes what it does is it bonds people together. But in an integral community, you realize that this is a shifting, uh, fluid thing. You know, if, it, if this had not been an integral group, there would have been a bunch of people standing up at the end saying, I'm going to love all these people forever. You know, right. always happens in groups <laughs> like that. Yeah. Nobody did that, Jeff. Yeah. Everybody understood we're part of a larger process. We've shared a particular consciousness. We have a lot of affection for each other. We might see each other again. We might not. Yeah. We're not going to predict it, but we're staying with the authenticity of the experience. We're not going to try to pull it into the first tier and make it something that it's not because then we lose it. Yeah. yeah. So you say you've, you, you've been thinking about it. And what other insights did you get? Well, first of all, let's just go through the, the spiral. Just for a second. Okay. So where was purple in that group, Jeff? Magic. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Well, purple was one. Everybody there. No, this is the only group where when someone asked me, what's your goal? And I'd say, I want to be a bridge between this world and the other world, where nobody fucking blinked an eye. You know? Nobody yeah. blinked that, Jeff. Everybody knew exactly what I was saying. Didn't think twice about it. Yeah, yeah, pass, pass the salt, you know. <laughs> and there was a sense of deep connectedness. It's not exactly blood kinship, but it's like that. Deep connectedness. And I think that's, what, yeah. I think that's where tribal appears in turquoise. In red, we had Ken. Ken is a power god of the inner world community. And not because he dominates everybody with fear. The thing is, he just can't fucking have an argument with Ken because Ken's... I'm sorry, Ken's always right. I, you know, I, I imagine... I, I'm sure I'm going to disagree with Ken someday. I keep reading yeah. his stuff and talking to him and you know, looking here or there. But, but he, he's a power god from the perspective of there's a channel coming through Ken that is so true, you know, that, yeah. that he has iconic status in this group. And that's just all, that's all there is to it. There's a lot of smart people in the inner world community, God knows. But there's only one Ken Wilber. No, that's right. And just to pause for a moment and appreciate him. I mean, oh. he, he created all of this through his books. When we look at uh, the integral community, 10 years ago, there was no integral community. And the yeah. integral community formed around Ken saying, okay, now let's have a community. I've done this work. I've thought these thoughts. I've written these books. And now let's have an integral community. And now we have one just organized around his teaching. And, and you're right. He is, from a red perspective, he is the power god. And, it's not, and it, it's, strangely, it's not because he insists on it. We insist on it. 
And it was wonderful to have him there. Uh, you know, he came the first afternoon. And once again, you know, I've been around Ken a long time. I've read all his books. I've been a fan of his for a couple decades. And once again, he just blows me away with his yes. insights around this. And, and the, one of them being that thoughts are things. I mean, I just think that that alone, it just slays me that to have a thought <laughs> or to have a conversation actually is a creative act that is a permanent acquisition of the cosmos, you know, that adds to the storehouse of human wisdom and fuels the continued emergence of goodness, truth, and beauty. And so yeah. when you realize that thoughts are things, conversations are things that are permanent, in this way, you're just more careful about what you think and what you say. And exactly, God, that that really, you know, nailed me. And I, I just, once again, thank you, Ken, thank for you, Ken. helping me understand this thing that I'm already doing. And here's this guy who's a any type five, I, I am assuming, who yes. basically just opened himself up. I mean, you know, I. I emailed him and said, you know, I'm going to be in town. Come visit. You know, he and I have hung out together several times. You know, that's yeah. hard for any type fives to do, to just kind of open yourself up to the world. And he did that because he knew that was, was required of him to do the service that he's been called upon to do. So there's Ken, our power god, which brings us to blue. Our sacred texts are the integral frameworks. Yeah. You know, they're sacred texts. And interestingly, then this is their second tier sacred text, because sacred text in the first tier can't be edited or altered. But in the second right. tier, <laughs> everybody's excited when we, when we edit or alter a sacred text, and there's a lot of, uh, um, per, not just permission, but a sense of urgency to continue to expand the sacred text. And this is where we're getting all this, this volume, you know, I've written all these books that are integrally informed books, if they're not directly about integral. Ken's written all his books, all these other people. I'm writing a book now on um, integral mindful uh, uh, living. Hmm. We all want the, the sacred text to expand and experience ourselves, you know, as potential transmitters of, of this. So this is the second tier of blue. You know, and we go to orange, we go to where Terry is, is, is feeling um, impassioned, which is, you know, we want to have success in our enterprise of saving the planet and raising consciousness and extending the evolutionary edge. And, you know, and if you want to have success, success is me measured by it's better to reach 100,000 people than 10 people. Okay. Right. And success is measured by decision makers being influenced by integral rather than not being influenced by integral, and so on. I mean, you know, this is this isn't fuzzy-headed success. This is dollars and cents specific, less carbon emission success. Right. And then with green in this group, everybody, you know, this goes back to what you said. You know, if someone goes to a group like like the the living room and don't feel that some people that they really respect, that they admire, have seen their special gift and, and have gone, mmm, yum, that's your special gift, that lights me up. If they haven't had that experience, then they suffer. They yeah. need that green experience. And, and in the group, we, we need to have that green experience, which is a challenge. You know, you guys did your best to, to create it, and I think you did. I mean, Philippe, that, that brilliant young singer, he, in one of the small groups, he said, 
said, I got 90% of what I wanted, but I wanted the extra 10%. You know, it was, it was fun listening to these young, these young people talk. Uh, who is who else that I talked to? Jordan, that 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 adorable guy that Diane put in charge. He said, uh, "Well, when Ken was talking, I was going, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. I'm waiting for something new. Oh, something new. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, Ken might be the, the the power guy, but you know, give me something new. You know, I thought that was adorable." Well, isn't it wonderful to see? I mean, I feel like such an old fogey saying this, but I, I just can't help it. It's so wonderful to see the young people who are magnetized to this and to oh, see God. how wise they are in their 20s yeah. and 30s and what capacity yeah. they have and what big hearts they have and what great smiles and pretty teeth they have. You know, it's just like <laughs> you want to eat them all up. And what beautiful yeah. ideas just come tumbling. You know, uh, I, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing a website that raises consciousness with my 26-year-old sister talking about second-tier perspectives. I'm going, wow. You know, that's, <laughs> you know, you know from, from my website, I'm all about translation. You know, you, you know you, you're not going to catch me uh, trying to express – I mean, I like penis head talk, but I mean, my work, my work is, is trying to transmit this to first-tier people to help light them up to expand and expand and expand so that they grow throughout the stages and, you know, and, and go faster. And, you know, in this, in this world, it can't just be, you know, I, I, contemplative practice is wonderful, and I love it, and I do it all the time, as you know, and as do you. Mm-hmm. But, that, but basically, we're social. Human beings are addicted yeah. to social stuff. And so this, the whole thing about psychotherapy is you're dealing with all the social relationships with your inner, your inner forces and your inner figures and everybody else. And those social relationships can be adjusted uh, away from intimacy and into defense or towards intimacy and development. And so, you know, that's something that's totally absorbing to all people. And, you know, integral, you know, this is what the, the integral psychotherapy is so magnificent. In a, integral is, the integral perspective is just genius at accelerating yeah. that process, understanding that process, and getting people who do that to understand that they're all part of the same thing. So that's, there's yeah. the green that emerged. And then in the teal was every, all these people. You know, I, I told somebody, I said, you know, the, the number, the amount of talents and gifts and experience and accomplishments in this room is I don't even know 99% of it, but I know it's there. I can I can see yeah. see it. I can feel it. It's just staggering, just yeah. a staggering amount. And then, which brings us into turquoise, which back, interestingly is back to tribe. You know, there's a kind of a shared vision where we're all kind of being carried along. That guy Mark Perel is a great example of that. You know, we drove him from the airport. And uh, he's just new to Integral. Um, mm. And he said, uh, he said, what's this color thing? I said, well, spiral dynamics, what's that? Okay, so from, the, from Denver International to Boulder, by the time we got to Boulder, he knew spiral dynamics. Yeah. He and I got into his thing, and he got it. And then in the yeah. group, he said, he said, the ideas are important. He said, we need to, and we need to connect to generate and share the ideas because from the ideas come forms and from the forms come actions and from the actions come the, pers- comes the perspectives and the changes that we are all 
are so passionate, passionately dedicated to. He just yeah. fed that into the group. I went, thank you, Mark. He, he yeah. was at an integral level of consciousness. He didn't know a lot of the language, but so what? You know, he yeah. came in and bam, he's there. No, that's right. And, uh, and that's one of the things that I think is, is our job as integralists is, yeah, we, we've got the language, we've got the models, all of that stuff. But to just notice in whom and where in this world integral is arising under its own power. Yeah. And to realize that we are being lived and that we are being lifted by, a, a, you know, emergence. And mm-hmm. in turquoise, I think we relax a little bit with that and actually allow ourselves to be lifted and moved and to realize that there's a loving intelligence behind that that we can trust and that it's not our job to fix things in the way that we thought or to move things in the way that we thought. It's just such a relief and it feels like, you know, being filled by the love of God or something. Yeah. You know, there's a... You know, it's wonderful. It's a feeling... If, you know, if, you fe- if we're really feeling ourselves as spiritual beings having a physical experience, which I think we are, you know, rather yeah. than physical beings having a spiritual experience. So if we're, spiritual, if we're experiencing ourselves as spiritual beings having a physical experience, those spiritual beings are connected to, to all spiritual beings. You know, fields, yeah. don't have, the, the fields do not have beginnings or ends. Every single field in this universe is connected to every other field in this universe from the tiniest cosmic string to the entire manifest universe and beyond. And so there's where spirit is. So if I'm experiencing myself as a spiritual being having a physical experience, I'm still enjoying my physical experience. I know that God is very, very grateful to enjoy life through Keith. You know, and, and yeah. I'm doing my best to give God a good time. <laughs> you know, right. You're welcome, God. Well put. <laughs> but... And I know that, that I share this with all of us, and I know that in our hearts, we're all going in the same direction, which just to, to throw another thing in, you saw the news item about 10 billion planets in the, in the Earth's sweet spot in the Milky Way, that one right. in five soul-like stars. Well, as an, as an old science fiction, the fiction auto, this just put the you know was was put the dot on the, the on the end of the sentence of I know what's going to happen in the next thousand years you know human consciousness is going to spread out into the stars and eventually we'll encounter some other self-aware consciousness I don't know where um, yeah. and it's going and as we do that we're going to be transformed um, yeah. and I'm certain of it I don't think yeah. that that's a, that's an if that's just a win no and no me either and I, you yeah. know I, I see some sort of glimmers of this acceleration of consciousness because we could look at through history and see that consciousness is accelerating and to the point now where even when we look at these young people in their 20s and 30s and see minds and hearts that we would expect to see in wiser older people 60s 70s years old and realize that these people these young people are not only going to have a full lifetime they're going to have 120 150 year lifetime i mean yeah. What's that mean? It's hard to overestimate that. It's hard to overstate the importance of that and the excitement of that. <laughs> Our job is to serve them, like you yeah. and I are doing right now. You know, I, I'm, I, I love those kids, and, and, and I love this, the, the elders, and I love the people in between. You know, I love yeah. that, you know, 
that there's just something just exquisite beyond belief about that, and it's really a privilege, actually, for me um, to be able to serve it in all the ways that I get to serve it. Yeah. Um, Daniel P. Brown said, a life of inexhaustible service. He said, that's a good life. Daniel P. Brown. And right on, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> it is a... Right it is a, And you know, and it's, it, 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 there's other stuff that, that happens. I mean, I remember that two years of my life were most dedicated to learning how to surf a shortboard, which is very difficult. And that, yeah. you know, that was the meaning of Keith's life. I do my therapy, and then, you know, I would spend five or six days a week, you know, in various forms of surf, trying to surf a fucking shortboard. Finally learned how to do it. Okay, that was just a step on my path that led me to inexhaustible service. And if I could see that, Keith, now I would have said, sure, good luck with that. And, you know, be a little bit more forward on the nose. I would help him learn how to surf a, because I know where that was leading him. So that's our job with the young people. That's our job yeah. with each other. Yeah. Well, thanks, Keith. Uh, let's wrap it up for this time. And uh, next time, give us a little preview. We're going to look at the neurobiology of uh, shadow, huh? Yeah. I've been reading a lot about shadow. Ken's had some conversations with some people about it. And I was talking to Ross and Mary Hostetler about it. God, wonderful people. Uh, talk- yes, indeed. <laughs> Again, she's just these bolder people you know I, Becky and I had lunch with them and I was going God I'd like to think come move in here for a week we could just talk with each other yeah. um, uh, that we're going to talk about uh, that, that one thing that's missing is there, there's a, a, a neurobiology uh, and a developmental neurobiology and an evolutionary neurobiology and an interpersonal neurobiology of shadow and so most of us in the integral community deal with shadow as me- in metaphoric fashion, as psychotherapy always has, because that's how humans change. You know, we deal with ourselves, mm-hmm. telling ourselves stories and so on. But the problem with that, and which is wonderful, but there's a problem with that. And the problem with that is that if we don't anchor ourselves in the neurobiological and genetic imperatives, we run the risk of reifying the metaphors. Um, instead of seeing them as they are, you know, as kind of translucent screens through which God comes through biology first and then into self-consciousness and then into self-aware consciousness. And knowing the biology really can help us clarify, understand, observe, uh, and integrate shadow material. And I just, I think that, that it would be useful to have a conversation where we talk real specifically about those things um, and as they inform the metaphors rather than starting with the metaphors as most people do you know subpersonalities and whatnot and then going back into um, the neurobiology um, I found that tremendously useful in my work if you're dealing with an orange person it really is useful um, to get away from the metaphors and into um, science you know, the upper right mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and the lower right are very persuasive to true orange people, and even yeah. to green, because green has included and transcended orange. Sounds like a fruitful conversation. I look forward to it. Yeah, me too. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much always, Keith. Thanks. It was so good seeing you, so good having you mm. uh, with us at the Integral Living Room, and I think we, well, I I think we moved the ball. I think we moved the <laughs> ball. We did. Oh boy, we have I have that that glow of having helped move it in a notch forward, you know, like we all yeah, joined together, exactly. leaned into the lever and we could all feel that 
We ratcheted yeah. it forward another step, laid down another track. Yep. God bless Thank us all. Thank you. God bless us all. all. Right. Thanks to everybody who has participated, every single person. Yeah, indeed. All right.